This is a sermon from the Highlands Congregation of Park Church. We hope it helps you walk with the Lord and lead others to Christ. Learn more and find more resources at parkchurch.org. Good morning, Park Church. Our scripture reading for today is um, two verses, one from Judges 6, verse 24, and the other is Isaiah 9, 6. Again, that's Judges 6, verse 24, and Isaiah 9, verse 6. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day, it still stands at Ophrah, which belongs to the Abiezrites. And Isaiah 9, 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Adrian. Well, good morning. How are you? Good. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. You know, here's the deal. I was asking God, I said, man, I'm preaching on peace. And in the midst of that, they asked me, they said, I was like, God, show, I, they need to see a physical representation of peace. And in my pride time, he, he starts speaking. He said, he showed me the color red and then the color gold. Prophetic, he said 15, and then somehow I just ho- heard Mahomes, and so I just had to, I just had to, co- listen, listen, the Chiefs are playing the Broncos tonight. I had to show them that I have a certain type of peace in enemy territory. And so he just said, hey, just show them what peace looks like in the flesh. And so I said, okay, I will be obedient to you. Um, <laughs> But no, hey, I say that in all joking, uh, in all joking, um, but if you're new, my name is Miguel. I am one of the pastors here, and um, it is like a joy and a treat to come back up here. Um, I feel like a, a family member that has left home, went away, and gets to come home for the holidays because I spend most of my, my time down at our other congregation downtown. But uh, welcome. What a joy it is to be with you all. Here's what uh, I would like to do. I want to give just two quick announcements, and then what we'll do is we'll go before the Father, hear what He has to say to us in regards of peace in a divided world. But the first announcement, I want to remind you all that um, this Wednesday at 6.30 here in the building or online, we will have our Advent hymn sing, and so I encourage you to come and be a part of that. Kids can wear their PJs as well to be comfortable. Adults, if you want to wear your PJs too, come on. You know, make it's a family affair. Um, it's going to be a good time. But uh, this Wednesday, 6.30, we'll have our Advent hymn sing. I encourage you to come or tune in online with us. And then next, I just want to speak to about just our end-of-year giving. And so if you call Park Church your home, man, I encourage you to give above your regular giving. And if you are new to Park and you sense the Lord calling you here and you want to be committed and haven't started giving, I encourage you to start to give because when you give, it's not just to uh, uh, just give aimlessly, but it actually helps us 
here as a local church to continue God's mission here in the city of Denver. And actually giving is tied to our faith, which is tied to our discipleship and therefore tied to our trust in who Jesus is. And so, again, I encourage you to give if you haven't given, and then if you are giving, to consider giving above your regular giving so that we can continue the mission of God into the next year if the Lord wills. And so you can find more information um, about giving and learn more about it at parkchurch.org forward slash give. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Well, if we could, let's transition our hearts. Let's go before the Lord. Let's take a moment to be quiet and still our hearts to remember that God is real. He's present. Father, how good and holy is your name. So grateful for the grace and mercies that you give new every morning. Father, I pray that as we get ready to sit and hear about peace in a divided world, I pray that you increase our awareness of your presence right now. Pour out your spirit right now. Open up our eyes and our ears to hear the wonderful things of your word. Father, let us receive your invitation to find rest in you right now. This world is weary, and many of us are limping, crushed, but not broken. And so, Father, may we come and rest in you because you provide a rest for our soul like no other. Father, do not have me, I do not stand here as an entertainer, but one who stands before you proclaiming, thus says the Lord. So hide me behind the cross, and may they see you, Father, pour out your spirit to do what no man can do. Bring life from dead places. Restore that which is broken. Bind up the wounded. Ignite the fire. Rebuke in a way that causes us to repentance, Father. And we're asking, I'm asking to flood this place by your power, by your might. So, Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And as one church, we all together said, amen. The late Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, the celebration of Advent is possible only for those who are troubled in soul, who know themselves to be poor in spirit, imperfect, and who looks forward to something greater to come. Family, this Advent season, this time is a time for us to where we look to Jesus who took on flesh in this weary world to secure the promise for a better future, a future where the disillusioned can have hope, where the divided can have, can find peace, where the suffering can experience joy, and where self-centeredness can find true love. Today, family, we will continue our Advent series, talk about peace for a divided world. Peace for a divided world. And when you think about something that is divided, what we know in the simplest form, it was once together. And when it is divided, it is separated. And as you separate what was meant to be one, 
as it is ripped apart, there is tension and hostility that is taking place. Because it is leaving its original design and yet it is experiencing the pain, the brokenness, the loss of what it was connected to. We see this division in this weary world that all started back in Genesis 3 when Adam and Eve disobeyed God. Sin broke into this world and things have never been the same. In fact, division started to take place. You see Adam and Eve going to hide from the presence of God. Things was, it was harmony, wholesome, full. And yet now they hide themselves, afraid. Naked, tension rise, blaming each other for the brokenness that took place. And it continues to go on and on. We see Cain kills Abel and division and strife and hostility makes its way as the Bible unfolds and as the world continues. When we talk about a divided world, it produces pain, brokenness. Division, oppression. And many of us stand here today experiencing that, if not daily, weekly, monthly, maybe even yearly. Maybe you just came out of that season of hostility. But here's what is true. The weariness, the pain that this world calls it is an equal opportunity. It does not discriminate. It goes from the boardroom to the classroom, from the gated community to the projects. Hear me. What I'm saying is that if you got breath in your body, you will or currently experience brokenness, pain, a circumstance that hits you like no other. Believer, non-believer. As the old saints at my Baptist church used to say, son, just keep on living and you'll see life have its way. And I know for some of us as a young church, that doesn't ring true, but I say this with all respect, just keep living. Because life has a way sometimes to cause a certain type of turmoil that tests our faith like no other. Now, here's the thing when we talk about this weary world, to make it very simple, life happens because sin broke in and life happens to you. You didn't do anything. You just keep living. Somebody hurt you or whatever the case may be. You're just living. You're doing right. You go into a doctor's office. News hits you. And now you're dealing with an ailment that you never thought you did. Life happens. That's one way we have our weariness. The other way is sometimes it's self-inflicted because we want to be disobedient. Yeah, we ain't going to get no amens. Amen, lights. That's real. Let me ask you this question. When life happens, where do you run? Where do you run for your peace? Where do you run to find comfort, to find stability, to find rest? Because whether you are a believer or not in this room, hear me. I don't know anyone saying, sign me up for turmoil. We're human beings, and when we experience the weariness of world, we want to run to medicate ourselves because we don't like what we're in, rightfully so. There's, I, I get it. But what do you run to? We do it 
It's not like you don't go anywhere. We run to something to find peace, to find comfort, to give us some type of stability in what we do not like in our current circumstance. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace, is what we will talk about today. That in the midst of this divided and weary world, that Jesus himself came to meet us in our brokenness and to bring shalom, to repair that which was tore down and restore it back together and whole. Simple put, we will spend our time talking about Jehovah Shalom, Lord is peace. But as we get ready to talk about peace, I would like to start off to talk about what peace is not. In order to help us understand, peace is not happiness alone. Okay? Happiness is predicated off of circumstances, and many of us know that circumstances change in a moment. You can be happy one moment, get news the next, and your world is rocked. It's not happiness alone. It's, it's not when everything is calm and you're calm. Yes, that is an element and there is some peace in that, but it's not that alone. Here's the thing. And this is real for our culture and even real for us today. Your truth is not your peace. Your truth is not your peace unless it is God's truth. And hear me, I say that matters for us in the church today because sometimes we get rebuked and loving and told about our sins and yet we get arrogantly and haughty and says, that's not true. When God uses brothers and sisters to show us truth, hear me, your truth ain't your peace. Unless it's God's truth. Peace is not a destination. It's not money. It's not prestige. It's not family. It's not relationship. It's not comfort. It's not yourself. Hear me, those elements can be, uh, provide a certain piece, of, uh, 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 element of peace, but peace is not those things. Peace is a person who is Jesus, not material things in this world. Here's the thing, our peace flows from what we worship. What we worship, our peace flows from that. To make it very simple in two categories, you either worship God, the creator of this world, or the things of, of the world and the things thereof in it. Now hear me, the, world, the things of the world, the resources, the created things that God has created in themselves are not inherently bad, okay? What makes them bad is when you take the created things of this world and it supersedes the creator and replaces it and you worship it from the place of provision, direction, sanctification, and peace. Listen, the enemy wants nothing more than for you to think that the world is peace. He wants you to think that apart from God, you can have peace. And that is the furthest thing from the truth, family. Not because I say it, but because God demonstrates that for us. And we'll see today. So what is peace? What is shalom? Well, it's completeness, soundness, well, welfare, rest, deliverance, peace itself. Shalom is taking external pieces, two things that were separated apart, bringing them back together. That which is of people and also peace that is internal. External peace, internal peace. As Cornelius 
Plantica Jr. says, the Bible, in the Bible, shalom means universal flourishing, wholeness and delight, a rich state of affairs in which natural needs are satisfied, natural gifts are fruitful, em- fruitfully employed, in a state of affair that inspires joyful wonder as a creator and savior open doors and speaks welcome to the creatures in whom he delights. Shalom, in other words, is the way things are supposed to be. But today for our time, we will focus on peace, Jehovah Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is our peace in the midst of a weary world. So I ask the question again, what do you run to for your peace? As you take a spiritual inventory of your life, and you take an inventory of what you do day in and day out, when life hits you, when storms, when hardships, when battles come, what do you run to for peace? Here's something, though. When we talk about God as our peace, we cannot have true peace apart from God spiritually. Here's what I mean. that It says that in Romans chapter 5, Therefore, since you have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Isaiah 53 verse 5 says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him, the chastisement that brought us, here it is, peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Understand that Ephesians chapter 2 talks about how we were once far off, and yet we were brought near by the blood of Christ. And through him we have peace, and because of his blood, it has torn down the wall of hostility. Understand this, if you do not put your hope and trust and faith in Jesus Christ and the work he has done on the cross and acknowledge him as your Lord and Savior, that right there is the starting point for true peace. Peace between God and man and peace between humanity. That is the place you start from. And when we start from there, now we're able to experience Jehovah Shalom because we have been taken from the darkness of life, taken from being enemies of God, and now we have favor with him. Not because we all that, not because we are so eloquent in words. And we know how to talk our way out of situations, and we know how to warm a room. No, we are at peace positionally and eternally because of the finished work of Christ through our faith first. That's important to get as we move on. Now, with the scriptures that was read today, Judges chapter 6, just want to give you a high overview, quick background, pull out some points that help us to understand peace. Because in Judges chapter 6, it's the only place where you find the word, God's name, Jehovah Shalom. And so I thought it was important for us to understand the context here. Now, here's the thing you understand. Joshua, with the previous books, the previous book, right before Judges, he's taking the Israelites to the promised land. And there has been a transition and handoff. The Israelites are now in the promised land, and you have this repeated theme that happens in the book of Judges. There is sin, there's punishment, there's repentance, and there's deliverance. Sin, punishment, repentance, deliverance. 
The Israelites are experiencing pain, brokenness, hostility, oppression from the Midianites as they are in the promised land. Remember I told you, hostility, uh, the weariness of this world happens because life happens and because it's self-inflicted. We have the Israelites that chose to be disobedient to God. And as a result of that, they are experiencing brokenness because of sin. Okay? Here's what's fascinating. They're in the promised land. In the promised land, the people of God experience turmoil. There is a misconception to think that just because God has placed you in your promised land and brought you where you ought to be, you think that it will be free of trouble. That is a misconception. You can be right where God calls you to be and led you to be and still experience the turmoil of this world. Whether life happens or because of your disobedience, do not think for a moment. Do not think for a moment that because God led you to that place, because God gave you that job that you pray for, because God mended that relationship, because God took you X and made this here that it will be free of trouble. It's not family. Hear me. I got to hammer that point home because we think that because we are where God has us, we have, that there won't be any turmoil. That's not true. That's not true. We live in a fallen world. That's why we have Advent. It reminds us of Christ's come, and we long and wait for His coming. We broken people. But here's what's beautiful about, even though in the midst of being in the promised land, what we see, and particularly in Judges chapter 6 and starting at verse 11, Jehovah Shalom can meet you in the midst of your personal, familiar, your national conflict in, in, in all the chaos that's in the world, just like Jehovah Shalom met Gideon. In Judges chapter 6, verse 11, it says, the angel of the Lord appeared. Excuse me, the angel of the Lord came. And it, it said, and it came, in, it came while Gideon was beating wheat in the wine press, here it is, to hide it from the Midianites. Here's what's fascinating. You don't beat weed in a wine press. There was a place that was designated for the wheat to be beat out and to be stored. But yet because it was so hostile where he was at, he went and hid and went to a place to hide from the Midianites. Quickly, what this lets us know is that regardless of your circumstances, and as many of us want to go hide, God can meet you right where you're hiding at. Do not think for one moment that where you run to, where you hide to, whether there's shame, whether there's hurt, whether there's pain, He can and He will meet you in those spaces. Regardless of what's at hand. And what happens as the story continues Verses 12 through 24, there's a dialogue that's happening between Gideon and God. And here's the thing. As the conversations happen, Gideon is still in the hiding place. Gideon is still in the wild press. At least, at least from the text that we have, it doesn't say that he left there. Get this, he's getting ready to go to battle. The war hasn't even started. It's still a hot mess where he's at. But even in the midst of that, God tells Gideon, he calls him, he says, mighty man of valor. I will be with you. What does that let us know? That even in the midst of the mess, God reminded Gideon of who he is, of his identity, and spoke life to him in that moment. 
He said, mighty man of valor. And I don't know about you, but oftentimes you get yourself around some brothers and sisters and they got to speak life to you even in the midst of that mess. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful because if it wasn't for them, they give me strength to remind me what they see. They remind me of my identity. They remind me that it's rooted in Christ. And they say, mighty man of valor. Hey, mighty woman of valor, God is with you. That's how you can have peace. You remember God speaks life and he uses it through his word and he also uses it through people here. But here's what's interesting. As they have a conversation, as they're going back and forth, Gideon still got questions. He's like, that's good, Lord. You speaking life to me? All right, that's great. <clears throat> Why is this happening? Where are you at? The stories that you told our fathers, where are you at? You're not here. And then even in the midst of his questioning and he's going, he sits here and realizes what his, his limitations God's like, hey, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to power you. And then he goes, hey, look, I, I, I get that. I know you're calling me mighty man of valor. I understand that. But do you know who my family is? And then he goes, not only do you know who my family is, I'm the weakest of my family. Hmm. It is okay to be weak. Let me say that again. It is okay to be weak. We live in a world, we live in America, where we have to have this facade as if we got it together. As if we show weakness, then we're not enough. But 2 Corinthians chapter 12 reminds us that when we are weak, his strength is made perfect. I need some weak people here today. Because when you're weak, you can call on God, realize your limitations, and say, help me. Because left to my own device, I can't get it done. I tried it the way that the world did. I need you to help me. And he says, hey, I am with you. And in that interaction, as the end of that comes, Gideon goes, you know what? I'm about to build an altar because I have met with the presence of God. And therefore, this place is called Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. Here's what's important. Peace is not tied to a circumstance. Peace is not tied to a circumstance. Peace is not tied to a specific outcome. No. Peace is when we trust in him because we find comfort and we're calm in the midst of the storms, the struggles, and the battles of life. Now, I got to understand, I got to say this because this is important. Hear me. Because here's the tension of life, right? This doesn't mean that you cannot have legitimate concern and worry in your circumstance, okay? I'm not sitting here trying to feed you a bag of goods, thinking like, well, if you just sit there and wish everything is good and call it, it's not going to be. No, there is legitimate worries. I can only imagine when the Israelites are leaving Egypt and they come and they're following Moses and they see nothing but water. I can only imagine they'd be like, wait a minute. <laughs> there ain't nowhere to go. Where is the Lord? Because it's real. It's real. Here's the thing, though. It's okay to have legitimate concerns. It's okay to be worried because we're human. We see things. The kicker is here. We don't allow the fear thereof to control us in those moments. Okay? We don't allow those things to control us here. Because, get this, peace is the reversal of fear. It's the opposite of it. 
It gives you strength. It encourages you. It inspires you. It, it affirms the truth in God's power regardless of the outcome and the circumstance. So when you're looking for peace, it's okay to say, God, I don't know how you are going to show up. I am greatly concerned, but your word says you will keep me in perfect peace. How will that be? I don't know, but I need you to come. So we live in this tension, family. I don't want you to think that you just get to go skip down a yellow brick road and everything is all gold. No, that ain't happening. Life is real. And that's okay. I might be preaching to myself because I need it just as much as y'all. Y'all hear me? Life got a way of messing with you sometimes. Keep living. All right. So, you ask the question, how do you find peace? Here's the thing. Peace, God's presence is the key to peace. So, you say, how do we experience God's presence? If God's presence is the key for peace, how do I, how do we experience God's presence? I'm glad you asked. You young scholars, turn over to Romans chapter 8 with me, if you can. And particularly in verse 5. The Apostle Paul reminds us and gives us the secret sauce to have peace. I'm sorry, I, I use a little, my little, my bonics come out every now and then. Romans chapter 8, verse 5, excuse me, starting at verse 5, yes. Here's what it says. You want to have the secret of peace? You want to know, I mean, you want to know what to experience God's presence? Here's what we do. In verse 5, it says, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Verse 6, for the mind set on the flesh is death. Here it is. But the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. To have your mind set on the flesh is to have the mind set on the world. Meaning you disregard everything God has to say. Regardless of what his word and his will says, even if you're a believer, you say, you know what, I, I, I know better. I'm, I'm going to try to figure this out. You say, I got Baskin and Robbins, 31 flavors. I'm going to choose it. Chipotle, let me fix my meal together. Burger King, I got it. Have it my way. I don't know what God's talking about because I'm going to do it my way because he's moving just a little too slow. That's what it means to have. And guess what it said? It said the mindset on the flesh is death, death, separated from God. How do you, if you're separated from God, there is no peace because there is no life. Remember, I told you peace is not a destination. It's not a material thing. It is in the person and work of Jesus Christ himself. The world is passing away in the things thereof. Your mind set on the flesh does not produce peace, but your mindset on the spirit does. It brings life and peace. Well, what is a mindset on the spirit is? The mindset on the spirit is a realignment to God's word, will, and way. That means that whatever God says in the way that he thinks, I therefore realign my thoughts regardless of what the world thinks to his thoughts. And when we do that, we will have life and experience peace. Remember, peace does not mean absence of trouble but it does affect how you walk in it. See, to have your mind set on the flesh is like eating candy. What's your favorite dessert that you like to have at all times? You can eat it all day, every day, but the problem with that is this. 
it does not give you the proper nutrients to sustain you throughout the day and the days to come. So if you're constantly just eating on candy, although it's good and very scrumptious in the moment, (laughs) but it doesn't sustain you because it doesn't give you the proper nutrients to move on. Versus where the mindset on the spirit is a well-balanced meal. Listen, it's a well-balanced meal. It's going to give you what you need, even if you don't like it. Hey, listen, I'm trying to get back in shape, and I hate Brussels sprouts, and I hate avocados. I can't stand them. I sit over there, I'm thinking I'm about to eat, and I'm like, "Mm mm-mm, this is not good at all. (laughs) But you know what, though? I don't eat it for taste. I eat it because it provides a certain nutrients that's good for me. And that's what God's words does to you. When you align yourself under God's spirit, under, under his word, under his authority, although it may not what we want, although we may not like what he say, it is the balanced meal that gives us the strength and the nutrients to move on so that when life happens, family of God, hear me, when life happens, you are able to have a strength that comes from the Lord instead of the world. I'm trying not to cry because, listen, oh. I'm preaching to myself today. Lord, have mercy. Isaiah 26, help me, Holy Spirit. Isaiah 26, verse 3 tells us, He keeps him in perfect peace, who mind is stayed on him, because he trusts in him. And so if you want to experience the presence of God, you have to keep your mind stayed on him instead of the circumstance. It's easy to look at the circumstance, but you got to keep your mind stayed on him. Because when you keep your mind stayed on him, you're trusting in him. You're trusting in him because you know that he knows better. He knows what's best. You're trusting in him because as Isaiah 25 verse 8 in Revelation 21, you know that Jehovah Shalom will swallow up death. You know Jehovah Shalom will wipe every tear from your eyes. You know that Jehovah Shalom can carry you until he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Our thoughts, here's what's fascinating, our thoughts disrupt our peace. Our thoughts disrupt our peace. Get this, because we're human. You can sit here, have a good time, hold on to Jehovah Shalom, and then all of a sudden, in a moment like that, wow, you're off track. Now you're irritated and you're frustrated and you're you're struggling because our thoughts distract us from the peace that God gives. That's why it's important for us to realign ourselves when we get distracted. That's why it's important that we get on our proverbial face or literally get on our face and knees and we cry out to the Lord in, the, in that moment. It's important that we read his word because his word is active and living and we experience his presence here. Get this, it's important that you live in community because it's brothers and sisters that can remind you and point you to the Lord even in the midst of your circumstance because they can intercede on your behalf. They can provide love for you in a way that you're not being loved and that gives you strength to carry on. Family life is real. I'm trying to help somebody. Maybe I'm trying to help myself. I don't know. We carry the brokenness and the weariness of this world far too long because we forfeit our peace by not casting all of our cares to God. Let me say that again for you. We carry the weariness, the brokenness of this world far too long because we forfeit the peace by not casting all of who we are and all of what we have to God. We might give them a little bit and then we go on and think we can get it ourselves. I don't know about you. Get you some brothers and sisters that can point you to the Lord. Don't get you no brothers and sisters that want to sit here and handicap us. 
Because let me tell you something. I'll be going through some stuff, and I was just a hot mess. I don't know about y'all, but I'm a hot mess. And then I'm getting upset, and I'm frustrated, and I'm getting mad, and I'm looking at the situation because the situation hasn't changed, and the outcome hasn't changed. I want a particular outcome, and in every waking moment, I'm irritated, I'm frustrated, I'm short with my wife, I'm short with my kids, I'm angry, I have no patience, I don't want to forgive because my mind is on the world. But praise God for brothers and sisters that said, Miguel, you need to get it together. They said, you are giving too much power and control to people in your situation. You, that, that situation does not dictate how you respond. And so, how, how did I respond in that moment? I said, well, you actually got a point. I said, all right. And when my perception, my perception changed, the situation didn't change, nothing changed. Nothing in, in terms of the external circumstances, it didn't change. But my perceptions changed. And so now I walk different. I talk different. I got a certain level of peace that when I engage into a conversation and people bring it up, instead of twitching, instead of just wanting to run off on a deep end, I can sit and rest in Jehovah Shalom. Not because nothing changed, but because I have God. That gives me strength to stand 10 toes down, not because I got strength in my life, but a power that comes from heaven that we experience here on earth. Because here's the truth, family, the world is going to change. The world is fickle. People are fickle. As much as your pastors love you, we are broken people and we are fickle here. Situation and circumstance change, but Hebrews 13.8 lets us know Jesus is the same today and forevermore. Jehovah Shalom is the same today and forevermore, family of God, and it does not run out. It's not like take a ticket, stand in line, and God will get with you. His power is strong enough to reach every last one of us right where we're at. Praise God for that. Can the world do that? I doubt it. Let me know if it can. But here's the thing. John chapter 14 and verse 27, Jesus is about to send his disciples out into the world. And he knows that they're about to go on and do ministry and experience trouble in life. But here's what's fascinating, and it still replies to us today. He tells them, do not live in fear. Why? Because he says this. John chapter 4, verse 27, peace I leave you. Mm. My peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. He says in John chapter 16, verse 33, these things that I have spoken to you. He's preparing his disciples as he's getting ready to go to the cross. I encourage you to go back and read the Gospel of John and read the farewell discourse between chapter 13 and chapter 17. And he says, listen, I spoke these things to you so that in me, hear me, not in the world, but in me, you may have peace. Here's why. He says, in the world, you will have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. All is well in one life because we know who has overcome the world. But here's the thing, if you would, you can go read for it, read for it later on. First John chapter 5, and particularly verse 3 and 4, it says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. There's a kicker. See, oftentimes we don't want to do God's will and his ways and his word because we just don't like them. They're not burdensome. You can't do them in your own strength. You got to do it through the power of the Spirit. He says they're not burdensome. 
But here's what he says in verse 4. For everyone who has been born, here it is, who's been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. What is it? Our faith. It is our faith that overcomes the world. It is our faith that helps us to have peace in the midst of a weary world. Not the house, not the job, not your mama, not your daddy, not your cousin, not your auntie. You get the point. Not the world, not Capitol Hill, not the job. Does not give you the peace, does not overcome the world. But our faith in Jesus Christ does, family. And that's important for us to get. And we have to fight to cultivate this peace in Christ Jesus, because when we do and we fight to position ourselves on a daily basis to experience the peace of Christ, we're able to experience a type of composure in the midst of this hot mess like we would have never before. Because now Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 through 7 becomes all the more real when it says, do not be anxious about anything, but through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And here's the beautiful part, and it says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. That means that sometimes you may not even understand how you have peace and your situation is so bad, but you understand who it is that gives you peace. Because the Bible says he gives a peace that surpasses all understanding. I don't care, you can be a Harvard grad, uh, Albert Einstein, you name it. The peace that God has surpasses all the intelligence of human beings. But he says that he will guard it in Christ Jesus, a personal bodyguard, my Lord, that will guard your heart and mind. You have to fight and cultivate that, family. You have to fight and cultivate that. It's not a silver bullet. It's not like you sit here and you take the secret sauce and now you're good for one day and you ain't never got to do it again. That's not true. He gives you the strength and the peace to have it on one day and then when you wake up and you put your feet on the ground, you say, by your power and strength, give me peace. I'm about to go into a situation that I don't even know what's going to happen. And in, when you're in the midst of that situation, you keep calling out. You can just call his name, Jehovah Shalom. Give me strength, Lord. You ever seen that meme where that, where that mom, or, or no, no, it was on a family feud. And she was getting ready to do fast money with Steve Harvey. And he was like, all right, we're about to go. She said, hold on, wait a minute. Holy Spirit, activate. Holy Spirit, activate. 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 And then she was ready, right? Listen, I'm going to tell you, we better activate that Holy Spirit. You better activate that thing. Listen, she was activating to get some money, but that money going to hit zero one day. But listen, I want to activate the Holy Spirit because it's going to keep me. We laugh, but that's real. We better activate that thing. <laughs> All right, well, I'll activate it. You ain't got to. <laughs> As we get ready to wrap this up, Isaiah chapter 9, interesting, when we read the most famous verse, one of the most famous verses were Advent, Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, what we don't understand is that, just a little quick backdrop, the Israelites, the people of God are about to experience Assyrian invasion again. And now the prophet comes and tells them and promised them that there will be peace given that is to come, but now they have to hold fast in the midst of that, hot, in, in that hostile moment for the peace to come. 
In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says, And for to us a child was born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And in verse 7a, it says, if you keep going, it says, And the increase of the government and of peace will have no end. The government, the righteous rule and reign of God will be continuing, is continuing to be established, and it will in the days and years to come for all of eternity. There will be no end to his righteous rule and reign in the government. There will be no end to his rule, to his peace that he provides. Daniel, the prophet, talks about how the kingdom of Christ will come and it will establish forever. The Gabriel goes to Mary. If you go read Luke chapter 1, where it says that he tells you that the child in you, that kingdom will not fail and will stand. I'm paraphrasing, but you look throughout the Old Testament and New Testament, God wrote his will. His kingdom will stand. It will not fail. And why? Because God says to us, to us, us raggedy sinners, and I don't mean that in a condemning way. Because the Bible says on our best day we like filthy rags, but to us a divine grace gift, a gift of divine grace was given to sinners. It says to us a child was born, to us it was given. Jehovah Shalom, Jesus Christ himself embodied. The Prince of Peace, it was given. And the Prince himself, Jehovah Shalom, went and laid on an animal feeding plate. And he didn't just stay there. The Prince of Peace, the Prince of Shalom, went and lived and modeled for us what life should look like here on earth, washing his disciples' feet, enduring hostility all the way. Jehovah Shalom, Jesus in body, went and hung on a raggedy cross with all due respect that you and I, our raggedy selves, should have been on. Now, again, that's not condemnation. I'm not kind of condemning you. I'm just saying, our best day is like filthy rags. We live in this. You look good. I ain't going to lie. You look good. You, you smell good. Your hair look good. It's dyed. But we still a hot mess. Make no mistakes. But praise God that he went to that raggedy cross for you and I. And skip that. In the midst of pain, Jehovah Shalom himself hung up there, bloodied, nails in his hands, stretched wide. Showed compassion and said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Because yet, while they're still sinners, he went and died. And get this, Jehovah Shalom did not just stay there. He went into a grave, and the peace of God, Jehovah Shalom, is so strong that, get this, death could not even hold him down. Because he rolls with power in his hands. Because he is above all. And then because of that, we can have peace because we put our hope and faith in Jesus Christ. Because Jehovah Shalom, Christ in body, peace himself in body, because of that, now we're able to do what Matthew says. It says, bless all the peacemakers for they are the sons of God. We get to promote Jehovah Shalom here on earth, individually and in community. We are his kingdom representation here on earth as we eagerly wait his second coming. And now we get to embody peacemaking, not because of us, but because of him. So we get to embody grace, mercy, forgiveness, compassion, patience, even when we don't want to. Why? Because we say, if it had not been for the Lord, where would I be? So Jehovah Shalom, peace, he comes to restore all things. I love what Dr. Blair Smith says. He says the incarnation is that 
one person became everything we are without ceasing to be everything he is. The incarnation, Jesus Christ himself, is, the one, is this one person that became everything we are without ceasing to be everything he is. That's what Dr. Blair says. Understand that when we talk about peace in a weary world, peace in a divided world, he came and didn't just stay in that manger. He didn't stay in that animal feeding tray. No, family. He came and broke into this to bring wholeness, to restore that was ripped apart that happened in Genesis 3. And by his power and by his stripes, we are healed and have the power of the Holy Spirit that as we wait eagerly for true, for the Jehovah Shalom to be complete in its fullness, we sit here and hold fast to him. And the world in this dark place get to get a glimpse of heaven because we get to be Jehovah Shalom in body because of the power of Jesus Christ. Because he broke into this weary world. And as, he, as we all know, he's coming back again. That's what Advent is about, family. We realize how broken it is, but know that peace only comes from God. So may we be a church that has our minds set on the world, not the world, Lord help me, on the spirit. Let us embody peace to be peacemakers because of what he has done and demonstrated for us. May we hold fast to Jehovah Shalom as we wait the coming of our king. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you give us the strength because reality is that in moments we don't have the strength to do it. It's hard, we get concerned and we see what's in front of us and it gets difficult to hold on to peace. But you made it clear, God, that we can have peace. You give us peace because you are peace, not as the world gives. So help us as, we, as those who may be struggling today. This is not some lofty idea, but God, you are real. You are peace. And I pray that your peace is felt in this moment. So give us the strength where we don't have strength. Help us to boast in our weakness so that we can experience your power at work. Speak now, Holy Spirit. Touch the hearts of those that need to experience your peace. Whatever's keeping that peace from it, whatever's dividing or hindering, I pray that you crush it because you tear down that wall of hostility. In your son Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Park Church exists to make disciples of Jesus for the glory of God and for the joy of all people. If you enjoyed this, make sure you share it with someone. We'd also love to hear from you on social media at Park Church Denver. Lastly, more resources and info are available online at parkchurch.org. Peace and love.